0: In, in the midst of prayer and fasting, um, one, of, one of the intentional focuses that we have this year, if you've been looking at any of the graphics that we're doing, uh, any of the sort of promo stuff, is we are um, really focusing on the renewal of God's presence in our midst. In fact, that's kind of at the top of our, our prayer and fasting card, That it's in the back. Um, and, and it really comes out of believing that an increase of God's presence is a living reality amongst us. It's it's a living reality that we desperately need and that God's presence and the increase of his presence and the work of his presence in us brings change to the deepest levels in us and in our hearts. And and it's something that is is incredible as we see God working in our midst in that way. And so we're, we're praying for that. And so that's that's really part of the motivation behind this um, set of messages that I've, I've centered around prayer and fasting, this, this whole thing of, of learning to slow down from hurry, uh, practicing silence and solitude in our lives. And today we're going to talk about rediscovering Sabbath. And that's, that's a big topic Uh, I recognize that, and we're going to try and hit on some of it this morning. Um, When David Green, he built his first craft store in 1972, he actually had an initial plan. He was going to close on Sundays so that his employees and their families could enjoy the day off, but he got scared because a local competitor around him vowed that he was going to be open on Sundays, and he vowed to put him out of business, and so... He went against what he felt and he, he opened on Sundays to compete. And and as the years went on, he found that the business thrived and he prospered. He he was giving lots of money to the church and to good causes. But he found his conscience was was bothering him. On, he, he felt like on one hand he was supporting the church, but on the other hand, he was working against the church by being open on Sundays. And The thing was, though, is that two decades of this had proved that Sunday was his most profitable business day, and yet this voice kept speaking to him, David, I come before the customers, and so he actually took the plunge, and he decided to permanently close his business on Sundays, and he said that is when his Hobby Lobby business chain really took off. He said, that was the decision that has led Hobby Lobby to be where they are today. And as we know, if you're in the States and you love Hobby Lobby as much as some of us do, they are closed on Sundays, as is Chick-fil-A, as Kanye West keeps telling us. But, we, you know, maybe we marvel at that story, maybe because of the money involved, like we, and, and because of the notoriety of it, and we're like, oh, wow, yeah, Hobby Lobby, and, and we see their parking lot's empty on Sunday when we're down there, but... This is no less dramatic than the decisions are made by people choosing to live Sabbath in their lives. The choice not to study for the big exam on Monday because Sunday is Sabbath. The choice to not go to the game on Sunday because it's during a time of worship. Honoring the Sabbath is an act of courage. A huge act of courage. And so I want to want to talk today about this practice of Sabbath, and it's a practice that Jess and I—I I will say—as a family are in the early days of learning and discovering, discerning how to practice this as a family. And you'd say, "Well, haven't you always practiced Sabbath, Paul?" And it's like, "Yeah, like like I've always Sunday has always been a very important day for us ever since we've been married. I mean." church and all that on Sundays has been immensely important to us, but practicing Sabbath is something actually even more than that. It is that, but it's more than that, and so I want to talk about that, Um, and, and I say all that because by no means have I practically figured out how to live all this out. Um, I'm in the midst of figuring out how Sabbath works. But I I believe that rediscovering Sabbath is a gift from God. I believe that it is profoundly biblical. And I believe that it's profoundly relevant for our lives today. And I chose to focus on it during this, this time of prayer and fasting because of the connections of Sabbath to pursuing God and learning how to practice the presence of God in our lives. Because Sabbath is really another extension of learning how to hear God, experiencing God, and learning about Him. All of that is encapsulated in Sabbath. And so, having said that, um, I recognize that there are elements of Sabbath that are in contradiction to fasting, and so you may have to wait a week, depending on how you're fasting right now, to enjoy all of the benefits of Sabbath, because it's, it's great. Um, I'm, I'm gonna talk about some of the fruit of Sabbath today that doesn't sometimes always go hand in hand with, with fasting. But the connections to encountering God through Sabbath are numerous. And so that's what I wanna talk about. I, and I, I think that rediscovering is the appropriate verb to talk about Sabbath because of how deeply important it is, but also how many misconceptions there are around Sabbath. And I think that there's a lot in our culture. First, a Sabbath is not a metaphor. It is, Sabbath is a literal thing. Like it is a literal 24-hour period of the week, every week. It is a day. It's a practice, it's a formation by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in our lives. Uh, biblically, we learn and we, we understand that we are designed as people, you are designed to live from Sabbath rest. That's how God has made it for us. And so, and, and I assume here today that we're going to have all sorts of opinions and ideas about Sabbath. I, I do not, I expect that there's probably a, a huge variety of ideas about Sabbath right here in this room. Um, My experience has been, in the evangelical camp, we don't talk about this a lot. It doesn't actually get touched on all that much. That's probably one of the things that I've, as I've gotten into Sabbath more and reading about it and and studying and, and looking at it, I've realized I don't hear a lot of pastors or leaders talking about this. I didn't hear a lot about this growing up. And I don't see it as a core practice or even a value in a lot of our evangelical churches. And we, we almost like, we, we get caught up and we, we talk a lot about achievement. We talk a lot about success. We talk a lot about, you know, when, when pastors get together, inevitably the first question is, so how big's your church now? <laughs> it's like, really? That's the first question that is the most important thing? And, and yet, Sabbath... Maybe you know this. It is the longest of any of the 10 commandments. The longest. As one writer actually said this. He said if you if the 10 commandments were a pie, think about this, and some of you who like pie like myself, if you were to be able to choose a piece of the pie and they're cut up like the 10 commandments, choose the fourth piece because you're getting a third of the pie. That's a lot of pie. How many of you like pie? I I like pie. We got a pie given to us over Christmas, just so happened, and it was actually, I found out later, it was made by someone in another church who's like really really renowned for her pies, and I found out eating halfway through, and I I tell you, I hid that pie. My kids did not like, not get a lot of that pie. Anyways, that's a a rabbit trail. We didn't have time for that this morning. Um, Okay, how about we open up our Bibles? Exodus 20. Verses 8 to 11. I hope none of my kids are listening to this message because they're going to be like, what pie? What pie is dad talking about? (laughs) Yes, that's right. All right. Exodus 20. I want to read from verses 8 to 11 this morning to kind of set the stage to talk about Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Just allow that to rest on you. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you hear one thing above all of the things today, and I hope that you hear a lot that you're able to take away, I, I hope you will hear this. Sabbath is a gift from God. It is his gift for us to receive and to enjoy in our lives. It is an immense enjoyment. And so I want to, this morning for the next little bit here, I want to I talk about four things that Sabbath is to, to kind of help provide the framework by which we can live out Sabbath in our lives, how we practice it in our lives, and having said all that, like silence and solitude and, and sort of this whole topic, some of the things we're hitting on, they, these are big topics. Um, silence and solitude, Sabbath, they can elicit a lot of thoughts. They may elicit a lot of questions in us. Good, I would say. Study it. Let's discuss it. If you have questions, throw them my way. Th- these are good things to wrestle with in our culture. So... First thing that Sabbath is, is stopping. Sabbath, the word, or Shabbat, the Hebrew word, means literally to stop, to to cease. It, It means, in its most literal sense, it is simply to stop, to cease from routine, to cease from work, the hectic busyness of life, the expectations all around us, and take time to enjoy life in God. And, and like I said this before, but I, I really, I consider myself, I'm on a journey to understanding this, to discovering, I'll call it the practice of Sabbath in our family. Um, through that, one of the things that I found really interesting through some of this contemplation is that I cannot deny how biblically Sabbath is shown to be intertwined with creation. It is It is the very nature of God. Sabbath is all part of of how God formed and how God created the world to run. God ceased on the seventh day, it says in Genesis. And it became holy. That day became holy because God is holy. And therefore, because God ceased and is holy, that day became holy. And all throughout Scripture, you will see the Sabbath is holy. Now, I say that, and there's massive overreactions or responses to the Sabbath in our culture. We, we, there's, there's all sorts of takes on it. It's seen as old school thinking because of practices in the past, so that maybe, maybe legalism that's come into certain denominations and churches where it's seen as sort of the, the no fun day. It's like, oh, Sabbath. It, like we, there's so many opinions about it. And, and our culture the wider culture has just pretty much moved on from it. Like it just, it's, you talk about Sabbath and people probably would look at you like big open eyes like, what are you, what are you talking about? And, and so it's due, you know, to the pace of culture, due to the pluralism of our culture, there's just no context anymore. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he once wrote of Sabbath, he said, the Sunday is the core of our civilization Dedicated to thought and reverence, it invites the noblest solitude into the noblest society. That's not the case anymore. Like you hear that, that that is not how Sabbath is looked at. But consider that our word actually for holiday comes from the words holy day. That's where we've gotten holiday from. So God desires... I would say that we see sabbath as a holiday. It's a weekly it's a weekly holiday with God, dedicated time to stop. And that's that's why holidays are also a chance to pursue God and be refreshed. Holidays are like just one big giant sabbath. That's really what a holiday is. And so one one of the debates though among theologians is okay, is is the sabbath binding? on us. And that's like, like, do I have to obey the Sabbath? And, and that's been debated and thrown around for a long time. But I'll, I want us to consider, when you look at the Ten Commandments, which of the Ten Commandments isn't binding anymore? You take out Sabbath, which one of those you say, oh, that, that doesn't apply anymore? or and And also, which is the only commandment that begins with the word, remember. Don't forget the Sabbath. So, is the Sabbath binding? Is that even a question? I, I, I would tend to be in the camp and I say, yeah, it is binding. It, it is not, not as a legalistic sort of you better do it, but God's saying... This is a delight for you. And regardless, whatever it is, it's a really great idea. It's a really great idea biblically. Neuroscience shows us that every seven days, your body actually wants to catch up on sleep. Your body wants that. It's as if God built Sabbath into the fabric of creation, into the fabric of your body, into how your body functions, into his creational structure. It's, it's wisdom to practice Sabbath. It's really wise. The French Revolution, that was the last time that a modern civilization decided that they were going to do away with the seven-day workweek calendar. And so the French, in order to increase productivity, they, they had this great idea. They, they've thrown out the king. We're going to throw out God too in the Sabbath. So they went to a 10-day workweek. And they thought that productivity would just go through the roof. And in fact, the exact opposite happened. Productivity plummeted. The people in, in France were absolutely destitute. They had suicide, mental illness, relational breakdowns, all skyrocketed during that time. And then eventually they realized that's, this wasn't a good idea. And, and it's, it's interesting because with the abandonment of Sabbath in our culture right now, we see many of the same patterns beginning to replicate themselves all around us with how people are living. We've lost Sabbath in our culture. A lot of it we've lost even in our church culture. And so the question is, what do we do? And it's an invitation to come back into God's rhythm. There's this book Uh, called 24-6. It's written by a guy named Matthew Sleeth who actually for a lot of his life lived um, apart from faith and then he had a radical encounter with Jesus. And in this book, uh, he tells the story. And uh, it's a book I'd highly recommend. If you want to read a really short, easy to read book on Sabbath, it's a great book. But he, he shares how he kind of stumbled into Sabbath. And he's, he said it wasn't intentional. He was a successful doctor. And so because of his work schedule, he decided that this one day a week he was going to take and block off simply to recover from the demands of work. And so he had a 24-hour period where he said, I didn't do anything. I just rested. I, I relaxed. I enjoyed my time. And that, along with several life circumstances, he said it led him to begin to question deeper meaning of life. And so he read Hindu texts, he read Muslim texts. One day he's in the hospital and he's in the, in the patient area and there's no one around, there's nothing to do, he's got time off and he wants something to read and he sees a Gideon's Bible there. And he picked it up and he begins reading the New Testament and he says, I couldn't put it down. And he, he says, I stole the book, he took it home. He said, I could not stop from reading the Gospels. And that was the beginning of how he encountered Jesus. He said, from that day on, my life was never the same. The guy is, and I've listened to him on a podcast. He's brilliant to listen to. Like, I just, he's so great. But he makes the point in there that that all came, him encountering Jesus, all came as a result of having the time to seek. He said, I made room in my life. Psalm 90 verse 12, pray, it, it, it prays there, the psalmist is praying that God would teach us to number our days, to, to realize the uncertainty of our lives, that every day is a gift. And, and in that, in his book there, Matthew Sleeth, he makes the point that he believes the fourth commandment is given so that we can grapple with that reality in our lives, that we grapple with that our days are numbered. And he says, we can only do that as we slow down. And, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because a foundation of Christian belief is that time matters. That time is actually really important. That there is a beginning, there is an end. And so because of that, stopping to enjoy time in our lives is a gift. We are body, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We need emotional, physical, spiritual rest. Think about, and think about this, if you practice Sabbath, you are never more than six days away from gaining a holy perspective of life. So Sabbath is stopping. Sabbath is also resting. Number two, at at the core of Sabbath is, is this idea of rest. God rested on the seventh day. That's a commandment for us as well. It involves getting away from the work and responsibilities of life that define the other six days. And so, because of that, resting is going to look a lot different for different people. It, it, how you rest will look different based on what you do, or maybe what you don't do. And so, at issue is this inclination to believe we all believe that we can make it ourselves. that that we have to make stuff happen ourselves, the idea that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our work, and Sabbath reminds us that's not the case. Sabbath reminds us that we need to slow down that Sabbath is something we do to the Lord. We actually, we rest from doing because God is in control. And it aligns us back to this truth that God is really God. That when I slow down and I stop, God is is at work. I I can trust him. Sabbath calls us to rest in his goodness. And speaking of Sabbath, Chuck Swindoll says this, he says, in place of our exhaustion and spiritual fatigue, he will give us rest. All he asks is that we come to him, that we spend a while thinking about him, meditating on him, talking to him, listening in silence, occupying ourselves with him, totally and thoroughly lost in the hiding place of his presence. In in Deuteronomy 5.15, God says to his people, he says, remember, it was me, it was I who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. It was me. It was me, the Lord. It was my mighty hand that brought you out. And then it says, therefore, the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath. So Sabbath rest reminds us who God is. God is our deliverer. His mighty hand brought his people out. And Sabbath reminds us who God is for us. Reminds us the Lord takes care of us. And so this, this rest that we're talking about here has many practical implications for our lives. How, how do you stop? How, how do you rest? How, how do you begin to enjoy Sabbath? Because Sabbath is meant to be a, a great joy. So how do you enjoy it? I, I would suggest that, um, as the Jewish custom is, that you begin in the evening not not because we have to align with that necessarily but because there's wisdom actually in that many suggest many of those who practice sabbath they suggest that you kick off sabbath with a nice relaxing meal how good does that sound like a really nice meal and you just and you have time to just enjoy the food the company you you allow yourself to feast enjoy your time even make room for dessert like do it it's sabbath you, you enjoy it. And then this allows you, if you start it in the evening, what it does is it allows you actually to rest for the remainder of the evening, however long you feel you need. And then, and then you get to go to bed and you enter into rest. And it's, and it's all, you're, you're in the rest of God, enjoying as much sleep as you need. And then that, that allows you then to be set up for the remainder of the next morning and, and getting up and encountering God and all that. Um, practically put away your phone and put away your devices on Sabbath. That that is really, really um, valuable to unplug from that side of the world. Enjoy God. Resist doing any shopping. Um, So if you start in the evening and you're saying, well, I I need to prep for that, well, then prepare beforehand for your Sabbath about to come into the evening. The reason that, that I say that is When you look at Sabbath with both Nehemiah and Jesus, it was the selling of goods, commerce, on the Sabbath that got both Nehemiah and Jesus really, really upset with how Sabbath was being handled. The Sabbath and commerce don't mix. You know why it doesn't mix? Because Sabbath is about contentment. It's about I'm content with what I have. Prayer is an integral part of Sabbath, relaxing into God's goodness through relationship. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It's all about knowing who we are before the Lord. And it's interesting, on, on Sabbath, we transition from human doings into human beings. We simply be this is, so this is where Sabbath is radically different than a day off. So it's not running errands, it's not working out, it's not laundry, it's not shopping. None of those things are bad. But they're not Sabbath. They're not rest. It's stopping, it's resting to settle into God's presence. So it's stopping, it's resting. Sabbath is also delighting. When, when you read the beginning of Mark's gospel, and I would, I would encourage you to do this, go through the beginning of Mark's gospel, and you can't miss there the focus on Jesus in relation to the Sabbath. It's all over the place at the beginning of Mark. And it, and it shouldn't be a surprise, really, because the Sabbath, it was this major contentious issue in first century Israel. It, it, there was a lot of, of rules and regulations around it, and Jesus didn't shy away from the controversy of it. And so what we see with Jesus at the beginning of Mark is constantly he's coming up against the norms of Sabbath in the culture and he's challenging the, the views of the day. And, and he wasn't abolishing it. Far from it. He was actually, Jesus, Jesus said, I, I'm not coming to abolish the commandments. I'm coming to bring fulfillment to them. And what comes through at the beginning of Mark Is that Jesus, when he talks about Sabbath, he's putting the focus back on the fact that Sabbath is a delight. Challenging the legalism that had been built up around it. Jesus didn't shy away from healing on the Sabbath. That was a huge no-no. Like there was all sorts of laws and rules by the Pharisees. You cannot do that. That's work. So anything, anything that was deemed work, don't touch it. Jesus was like, no. No. I'm here to bring life. Sabbath is about life. So if I can heal someone and bring life into them, I'm going to do that. Mark 1, we see him coming into Peter, Peter, uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house and he heals her. So, and then what do they do? Then they have, they, they have relational community there together. And in Mark 2... He's challenged by the religious leaders. They, uh, his disciples are going along in the fields, and, and I guess some of them saw some of his disciples pick grain off and eat it. That was another big no-no on the Sabbath, because you can't, you can't, that's work. And Jesus makes this profound statement to them when they come and they challenge him. And he says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Think, think about that, what Jesus is saying there. Because that has profound implications for us. If Jesus was here right now in this culture, what would he seek to teach us about the Sabbath? About, in a culture that has almost no awareness of the Sabbath, what do we think Jesus would seek to teach us right here? See, first century Israel was the exact opposite of us. They had all this legalism and all these rules, all the joy had been sucked out of Sabbath. Now, so Sabbath was really, really, like there was a huge focus on it, but there was no joy in it. It was all about, you've got to meet the certain criteria. It was used as a weapon against people. And I think Jesus' strategies, I think they'd be different, but I think his message would be the same. And that is, guys, ladies, Sabbath was made for you. It was made for you. It's made for you to delight. We're invited to see that Sabbath is meant to be a delight. We're to honor the Sabbath as holy. Why? How? By stopping, by resting, delighting in the goodness of God. I, uh, I was going to quote Isaiah 58 verses 13 and 14. I will. But I, I actually I thought, you know, I'm going to look it up in the message. I, l- I liked how the ESV said it, but listen, this is how the message says it. And I think it's, it really gets the heart of Sabbath. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. I think that when Jesus says that Sabbath was made for us, it's meant to be seen by us as the high point, the very high point of every week. That you would look at Sabbath, Sabbath coming, and go, I can't wait for Sabbath to get here. I am so excited to have that time. We, need, we really need to resist hearing it in any way as legalism, because it's not. It never was meant to be that. It's about delight. So I was, I was listening to a podcast the other day about it, and they were, they were talking about Sabbath, and one of the, the things they brought up that I really thought was neat, they said, think about Sabbath, approach it like you would Christmas. So just came out of that. We can, we can still remember what that's all about. Every week you get a day like Christmas except without the extended family obligations. Uh, no offense to that, but think about this. Every day, you, every week, you get a day like Christmas. Because consider how we approach Christmas. It's, it's seen, is it not, as a peak thing. We, we, we have specific traditions around it. It's, it's highly communal, but it's also highly restful. We, we kind of balance those things well on Christmas. It's, it's a holy day. We see it as that. We cook our best food. We, we go to a lot of effort to really make that day special. And, and no one looks at Christmas and says, that's so legalistic. Like, no one looks at Christmas and goes, well, why is it always on the same day? Like, that's so legalistic. Why, why do you do that? Of, we don't look at it like that. We submit joyfully to, to Christmas. We love it. It's a delight. We can't wait for it to get here, for the most part. Yeah. And, and practically, this is interesting, too, when you tie it to Sabbath and how you treat Sabbath and think about it, practically, this is where having small traditions that you tie to sabbath like you tie things to christmas with your kids or with your family to keep it special that think about that it it may, it's so beneficial if you do that week in and week out and your kids know this these things that we do that are special sabbath is coming and this is the gift of sabbath it draws us to god not to increase our burdens actually but rather to remove them so sabbath is stopping it's resting it's delighting sabbath is also lastly worshiping when we when we talk of jesus when we talk of him fulfilling the sabbath we need to remember we need to see in scripture jesus went and he worshiped on the sabbath we have several of those spots in the gospels where it shows him in the synagogue he's part of worship we're created to worship. Every single one of us worships. The question is, what do you worship? Leviticus 23, 3 says, Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there is to be a Sabbath of complete rest, a sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord wherever you live. A biblical Sabbath has God right at the center of it. God is right in the middle of it. Yes, it is stopping, it is resting, it's delighting, but it's also about worship. It's about turning our focus and our gaze to the Lord, being intentional and having Sabbath to teach us, to to remind us, to align us to the truth. God is above all things. And so that's that's part of what Sabbath is. And this is where the opportunity to gather with God's people for worship as part of Sabbath, it's it's a gift. It's a huge gift to us. And, and, And think about that. That can radically change your paradigm for how you look at church. For how you look at gathering together as a gift, as part of the wider gift of Sabbath and what God is doing in you and through you. It's it's helping us actually to practice the living reality of Romans 14, 7 in our lives. It's a constant reminder of this. And this is where it says there, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Think about that perspective, and think about how Sabbath invites you every week to go right. Right. As I live, I live for the Lord. I live to the Lord. And and think of how you might look at Sunday differently if you're intentional about your Sabbath beginning on Saturday evening. So think about if, you, if Sabbath begins on Saturday evening and it is like this high point of like we are going to enjoy food, we're going to feast, we're going we're gonna to have a great time together. Maybe you get together with family or friends. This is about enjoying time and resting, not being rushed, not being hurried. Stuff is put to the side and then you rest and you come into worship. Sunday is worship. It's together. I'm with the family of God. This is good. Changes the way that we look at church. In, in his book on Sabbath, the one I referenced by, by Matthew Sleeth, he wonders if the reason that so many young people are leaving the church is because they haven't seen Sabbath and worship modeled in their homes. They see a couple-hour commitment at best every week, where we go and we we do this thing, but then that's surrounded by this worship of lesser gods. That really, I I circled that in the book and went, "I, I need to pray into that. That's really challenging. I think the answer is that we need to see the gift of Sabbath and the delight it is for us in every way. I think we really have to to grasp how God sees it for us in helping us to stop, in having us rest, inviting us to to create this special day of delight that every week this is part of of who we are and reminding us we are created to worship the Lord. That's, That's really, I think, what God was getting at with his people, with Sabbath is, You are meant to live before me and to worship me and to be you. I created you. And so this stopping and worshiping, it's part of you realizing who you are. That's not burdensome. That's an incredible reality. This is who I am in the Lord. And stopping and just marveling 24 days, 24 hours every week going, oh, yeah. This is who I am. So, there's so much that can be explored with this. Um, and, and I passionately, passionately encourage you to do it. Explore Sabbath. Read about it. Look into it. It's, it's profoundly biblical. It's profoundly just such a blessing for us. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. And that is, our, our 24-7 world is not going to change culture around us and 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 the speed of culture and where it's going is not going to change it's it's only going to increase and get more intense and so that maybe you you realize if you start thinking about it, you're like that makes me feel kind of anxious that makes me feel like because it feels like it's always speeding up advancement in technologies advancement in engineering i mean it's 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 incredible to see the leaps and the jumps that are being made all the time. But it's only going to increase what humans can achieve in themselves. And so the pull to prove yourselves, the pull for your kids to measure themselves by wealth, by achievement, by success, the pressure to make it happen themselves, to like get on that treadmill of success and make it happen and make something of myself, that all is just increasing All of that is just like, I've got to be someone. I've got to prove myself. I've got to look at me. That temptation, which is so anti-biblical, is just increasing. That's the Western dream. So, if we desire to practice Sabbath and make it a part of our lives, it will not happen in any respect as a norm of culture. It will only take root in your life because you're going to say, I'm going to make a conscious choice to make this part of who I am. So, Jess and I are, are trying to discern how to put this into practice. We are, we're talking about it all the time and uh, thinking about it and, and a commitment to Sabbath. What, like, what does it look like as a family? It's, and it's, it's, it's challenging. But I think that there's, for all of us, I think this is helpful, that there's four markers that are really helpful in assessing how to live out Sabbath. And that is looking at at everything when you consider it as part of Sabbath and going, will this help me stop? Will it help me rest? Will this lead me to delight in God? Does it draw me to worship? So as we end, I want to I give you two questions as takeaways to put before the Lord this week if you, if you would like to. They're in the back of your bulletins as well. Two, two questions to put before the Lord as we, as we continue with prayer and fasting. That is, how have I regarded Sabbath in my life? And just think about that. How have, how have you regarded Sabbath in your life up to this point? What can I do to make Sabbath a delight in my life? to make it the light that it's meant to be from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word first and the way that it reveals to us The truth about Sabbath, it reveals to uh, us your heart for Sabbath in our lives, the heart that you have for us for rest and the connection to our wholeness and to our growing in Christ. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came and that you showed us, you practiced, and you, you gave us teaching on how to handle Sabbath and how Sabbath is not a burden, but it's a delight. And Jesus, we thank you for that. And Lord, as, as we go away from here and as we contemplate Sabbath in our lives, Lord, I, I pray that you'd be speaking to our hearts. Lord, we, we want to be living in alignment with your word because it's a delight, it's a joy, and you love us. Father, you love us and you you gave us Sabbath as a way to spend time with you. And so, Lord, as as we slow down, as we take time to contemplate and to rest, Lord, I pray that we would find incredible delight in you. In Jesus' name.